Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and today I am super excited to talk with three-time NFR steer wrestling qualifier, Jacob Talley. He is currently sitting second in the world after coming back from what could have been a career-ending injury to some people. Um, he retaliated from that in eight weeks when the doctors told him it would be way longer. So he's just a true inspiration. He's one of the most disciplined people in the Western industry when it comes to a work ethic and sticking to his workout plans and fitness and getting to the next level. He didn't even throw his first steer until he was 20 years old. And at age 29, he is now second in the world, guys. Today, he shares with us how he's preparing for the NFR in Arlington this year and how he overcame his injury, how he's gotten to the level that he's gotten to in such a short amount of time. And there's so much information packed in this podcast that you guys do not want to miss. It. it is awesome. So, without further ado, here we go with Jacob Talley. Okay, well, welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We are super excited to have you today. We've talked about this a few different times, but just never quite made it happen yet. So, I'm really excited for today to be able to actually like talk about your story and how you got started and what your advice is and just about Jacob Talley. So let's just start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got started in rodeo, um, when you started. Just give us some history on you. Uh, I didn't start till after high school. I was 20, around before I turned 20, I went to Bulldog in school at Tom Carney in North Louisiana. Uh, the reason I knew about it, my, my dad rodeoed a little bit when I was growing up. He didn't start until he was 30. He, uh, we had been in and around it. We had just, nobody in my family had ever competed in it. And for some reason, he got to where he wanted to try it. He tried it later in life. I was already trying to try it into football. So I grew up playing football. And I guess I've been around that my whole life. Um, plus, our coaches were extremely strict. The coach I played for in high school was the, the coach that won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Oh, wow, I bet that was an intense thing. Yeah, so they were, no rodeo, no outside sports. You don't play football, you don't play football, and that's it. And so I knew I kind of wanted to try it maybe one day. I didn't really know, I guess, very much about it. My dad kind of just went to local rodeo every now and then. would go take a vacation weekend and go to maybe a big one across the country somewhere. But I knew about it. I knew I wanted to try it, but it was a little later in life when I got into it. Yeah. Did you go to college for football? I did not. Okay. That was just high school. Um, and then you decided to, to explore this whole rodeo thing. That's right. Yeah. When I got done, I was, was kind of torn. If I wanted to go to college and play football, my family had a little water well drilling company. And it was wide open at the time. And it was kind of more necessary to go to work and learn the ins and outs of that, too. And so I, I started working right out of high school. Did your dad keep horses around for when he steer wrestled? He had some. When I 
Mr. Russell's too, doesn't he? He did. He doesn't anymore. He's married, he has a gym, and his wife and the home. They don't like leaving them very much. Well, that's understandable. Yeah, so did he go to this clinic with you, or did you did you start this uh, steer wrestling thing kind of on your own with your dad? No, I, I went and did it by myself. My brother's two and a half years younger. He was still a freshman in high school when I graduated. Oh, okay. to stay gone for quite a while on this path that you've chosen. talking a little bit last night before the podcast it's it's a business that you're doing it's not just rodeoing for fun it's not just a hobby like this is this is your business this is how you make money and it's your career at this point in life yeah. I think when you look at it that way it makes a difference too I did a podcast with Emily Miller last week and it was just interesting her take on life as well because she just got married and has a stepson now and uh, just that balance of trying to make sure that you're home often enough and, and still get to see everybody and spend time with them and and know that you have a good support system at home while you're chasing those dreams and making money while doing it. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. When, when you look at it like a job like that, if you actually sit down and look at time at home compared to time away and, and instead of working a nine-to-five job every day, we spend a lot of time at home. Just when we're going, it's in bulk. Right. You know, for a long time, for, uh, I guess, two to three, four months, you know, and then you're home for quite a while. So you get that time at home, it's just, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you went to your first clinic. What was your first clinic like? Be the best at it when I was over there. I wanted to leave and figure out how to be the best at it. There is now. 
Yeah, well, it, it seems like you, uh, you've accomplished that. I mean, you're sitting second in the world going into the 2020 NFR. That's a huge accomplishment. Right. Yep, we still have 10 more rounds, right? That's right. 10 more rounds, and then you'll know. You'll know. You, I mean, you're sitting good. That There's not a huge gap like this year with the 2020 craziness and rodeos getting canceled and everything. Like, it's really leveled the playing field for competitors and experience, too. Like Emily and I talked about last week, you know, for the barrel racers, you've got the Sherry Surveys and Lisa Lackards and all those ladies who have just, they're veterans. They've been there, they've done it, and their horses have been there, I mean, how many times? And now it's just everybody. It's new for the horses, new for the contestants, new for the committees. Yeah, everybody's kind of starting with a clean plate right now. Nobody really knows what to expect. It's going to be in a different, different setup. But. Yep, but you guys are used to that. Every rodeo is a little different, so it'll be it'll be fun. What do you think the biggest challenge is going into this year's NFR? Um, for me or as a whole? Uh, for you. Uh, I'd say just figuring out what the start's going to be. And they add a little bit to the barrier than what it has been at normal NFRs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really worried about the setup or the, or the way it is on the field. But, uh, I know a lot of guys are a little bit worried about so much open room to the left. set up new arena and everything like what do your practices look like right now so up until this past week it's been we just practice every day i'll run anywhere from four to ten steers off horses and 15 25 30 steers on the ground i I try to stay in the gym every day i go to physical therapy every day just to stay healthy um but it's kind of my whole day is revolved around it not just go run steers and go on or go work or do anything else that's been nothing but prepared for it. This past week, we're kind of starting to change to a more competitive setup, I guess. It's Mondays and Tuesdays, we still run a handful of horses, you know, four, six, eight steers off horses, and quite a few on the ground. By the time we get to Tuesday, or, I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday, we're one to two steers off the good horses, maybe one or two off Sounds like you're going to be mentally prepared for it, for sure. When you say we, who do you, who is we in your practices? So, I have Justin Schaefer is helping me. He's hanging for me. He's going to hang for me out there. Uh, so I travel with all year. Okay. Um, and his arena is set up more towards what that's going to be like out there. So we stay at his house and then helps us every day. His wife helps us every day. There's kind of a whole crew out there. 
Well, that's kind of what you have to have right now, though. It sounds like no matter what event you're in or what you're doing, you have to have a group of people that, that support you and help you. And, you know, but different events. Deer wrestling is a team event. You have to have somebody to run the shoot, somebody to pay, somebody, you know, there's just lots of different variables and people that need to be there. Yep. How many steers do you guys have right now? Uh, we have about 30. Okay, so you have a nice variety. Yeah, we got, uh, we got a little bit of everything. We figured, uh, when, when I was buying practice steers, he had already had a few. Mm-hmm. The guy that owns the Horso Rides, he had a few, and we mixed them all together. And when I, I went and bought 11, and I called my work the worst 11 I could find. So when you're looking for steers, are you finding these steers from a stock contractor already? Are you going to the sale barn? Where do you go to find your your bulldog and steers? We'll get them from absolutely anywhere. We've got some from a stock contractor. We've got six or eight from a sale barn. Uh, Just anywhere we get our hands on, anything we can run up. Mm -hmm. What are you looking for? Like what size, what kind of horns? Is there anything specific or are you just just going for whatever you can get? takes to prepare and it sounds like from your football career and having the kind of coach that you did there like and even talking to you last night and just things that I've seen over the past couple years when I think of you the word disciplined comes to mind just having the the ability to stay fit like your injury that you recovered from which we'll talk about that in just a minute like there's just so much that goes into getting to the level that you've gotten to in the amount of time that you have you didn't have that that family upbringing where you lived in a rodeo family and traveled every weekend to youth rodeos, high school rodeos, college rodeos. You kind of started cold turkey at 20, and here you are getting ready to, to run for the world title, which is pretty awesome. So you spend a lot of time in the gym. What's uh, What do you do in the gym? What? How does that help you? What would you suggest to other people when it comes to working out and staying fit? Yeah. 
about that because it seems to me from an outsider's point of view uh, and this is me being stereotypical but you see a lot of steer wrestlers and they they get bigger and they get stronger but I've always wondered like how much faster are they getting are they working on that agility and the speed and stuff or is it mostly just weight and strength and I think like a lot of rodeo people growing up from, from what I've seen obviously I didn't do it but mm-hmm. being out there on the road and watching people and I've seen people with coaching staff along the way to help you understand exactly what it is like I am intimidated to go to a gym well one because there's none that are really around here uh, where I live that have that kind of uh, coaching staff or somebody that can help but I know that there's just so much to know about it and without having somebody to like guide the way kind of I'm afraid to go in there and do more damage than good so I kind of stick to my yoga and my running on the farm (laughs) At this point in time, one of these days, I might get more into the gym. And I've always thought it would be fun. But again, you know, just having that education and and finding it, you know, uh, we've talked about a little bit that there just really isn't that much information out there uh, for rodeo contestants. And um, I do think that it is changing a little bit, you know, talking to you and then you see what Tyson Durfee's doing and his fitness program. And um, you start to hear about more people in the gym now and then or at least I do um, and I do think that it's getting more competitive kids are getting more competitive and I think that they're going to start they're going to have to start looking for that competitive advantage and that's going to come from the physical fitness side of it I believe absolutely you know when you look at any other sport the guys that are disciplined in the gym and they every day you know working towards it they're the ones that are you know that's you know not ready to yeah, I would guess you're probably right about that. <laughs> so some of the stuff that you do in the gym, that transfers, you're not just doing it for rodeo, but you do some competitions too outside of outside of steer wrestling? Um, I have. It's been quite a while since I've done anything like that. It's probably been since 2016. That was 
to your workouts and have just one more thing to work for that's kind of fun too. Yep. Yeah. Very good. So you had an injury last year that was uh, pretty a pretty major injury. Can you tell us about that? short turnaround time it seems and I don't know a lot about injuries I've been fortunate to not have to deal with that very often but usually it seems like people wait two or three weeks before they jump into that Let your arms angle and do little mini turtles. 
just to keep some sort of movement in it. Mm-hmm. And so, I said twice a day, I knew I wasn't going to hurt it, so I did it about once an hour. <laughs> and I keep all my movement in it. And they, so when I went, I got home. I got all my stuff sent from the surgeon out there to the surgeon here. And I found a physical therapy place I wanted to go to. I took it all in, and they looked at it. And we kind of came up with a game plan. And they came up with their game plan, and I, I looked at it, and I told them, I had 11 weeks in a day until I ran my first one encounter, and my plan was to come back about it. And they looked at me like I was complaining, they were like, absolutely not. And they said, so they told me, they said, you can't even come up here until week four. And I said, well, we can either start today, or I'll go find somebody that will start today. Yeah. And we started right here, and they, they let me do it. They, they were very good in the first week. And then they kind of realized everything I was doing. I wasn't being just completely ridiculous with it. Mm-hmm. I was being uh, very extreme. And it wasn't something I wasn't going to re-carry being just completely dumb about it. But I was going to push it to the absolute limit. And I think they kind of realized that after the first week. So they they went along with it thinking that I was never going to go up there. And then you um, showed up. <laughs> I, uh, I, I completely changed my eating, drinking. I used to uh, get tobacco. I quit tobacco, cold turkey, threw it out. I ate nothing that did it. Good for you. Anything that slowed down soft tissue regrowth, I got rid of in my life. But anything that sped it up, I did. I went from changing my food to going to those cryo chambers where they freeze you for three minutes. Yeah, what's that like? Do you I, like those? I do like them. I think, uh, I obviously can't tell you what helped or didn't help. I did so much. I don't know what worked and what didn't. I just know I did it all. Uh-huh. I feel like it helped because, so it, it'll drop your core temperature to like 9 degrees. And it pushes all the blood to the center of your body. It, it almost makes it, your body feel like that you are freezing to death. Do it for three minutes, and then when you get out, all that blood rushes back to your fingertips and your toes. But what it does is any bad spots in your body or bad blood, or it pushes everything out and it pushes new blood cells to it. So that bad spot, what it did is it it pushed all the junk out, and then new blood and everything would start working on what it came back. Well, I mean, it had to help. Do you still do it? No, it was, it was I, I, every now and then. Yeah. No, if I got something that bothered me, I will. Um, they're pretty, it's hard to find. You know, there's only one around where I live, and it's 50 minutes to an hour away. Oh, okay. I'm driving up there three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that, because you're supposed to do it about every other day. Yeah. And so unless I just got something that bothered me, I don't really go back up there. I, I think. I have a gym that's close. I don't have a gym in Shreveport that I use. I have a gym in about three different cities that I use, I guess, that are local. It depends on where I'm at that day. Yeah, good for you. And you're still doing physical therapy. Is that directly related to your pec that you or your torn muscle, or is that just overall? Just overall. I've built a really good relationship with those people. Um, 
especially if you're going in and doing what we did work, you're talking about turning a six to eight month injury at minimum to about a year, year and a half to eleven weeks. They were completely shocked and they had a big part to do with it. We so we built a good relationship so we stay I can go up there two, three times a week, especially for practice so much and you get sore in that they work on me and they want to help keep you right. So I just do it as maintenance. Um, I have coming back that early, the downside to it, and we did it up to call the major problem or anything, but there's a lot of scar tissue built up still. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot of maintenance to keep that broke down. Um, it didn't give it, I mean, it was, so in the, my personal research, soft tissue grows back from 18 to 12 weeks. I knew, assuming, my diet and everything that I did, I just assumed the amount would be eight weeks. So obviously it was it was right in the middle of being fully healed or close to fully healed when it was supposed to start physical therapy when right. it's already 100% back. So I knew it was going to cause little problems later. Not anything major, but it's going to take a lot of maintenance. So I'm going to want to work on it quite a bit. Uh, just make sure yeah, if it if it were to, if they don't continue working on it, could it re-tear or would it cause problems elsewhere? No, it's not going to re-tear. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a chance of a re-tear in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, they, most likely, I would tear the other one before this one. They, they, when they put the makers in, they put an extra one in, just no one would have any trouble. Yeah. Uh, the problem they're working about is, Scar tissue built up and being flex one and that scar tissue it can get on your nerves and cause numbness or pain and okay. it gets real tight and it just has no tears at it, so it gets it's just annoying. It's not anything right. major. So if we don't work on it and let it build all back up and then it, it slows down a little bit of your range of motion and it, and it just kind of nagging on you. Yeah. So when you're on the road, how do you stay in shape? And obviously, that's a huge part of your life and your success. So how do you keep that, stay in the gym and keep that all loosened up while you're not close to your people? So I have pretty much everything that they have up there that we use. I went and got them at home. Oh. So with me. Um, how big is your trailer? That sounds like a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not as much. on the same program for fitness and 
and staying strong? So we, uh, we kind of tend to do everything together. Um, you know, we live a little way to park, so we don't go to the gym during the day. Like when I'm at home, I'm more practice, and we try and stay on the same routine. Kind of keep out of home, send each other workouts, whatever that we're doing that day. So the other one can follow along. That way we kind of stay on the same schedule when we do get together. We just, nobody's playing catch up. We're just picking up right where we left off. Yeah, that's awesome. That's got to be a huge asset to your ability to do what you do and to stay at the top like you do, having a good traveling partner like that who is on the same page and believes in the same kind of programs and is willing to put in the same amount of work. podcast with Jacob Talley. We're going to take a quick break and I just want to ask you guys to share this podcast with anybody that you know who could benefit from it. Our goal at rodeokids.com is to provide information and opportunities to help this industry grow and each and every single one of us have a little responsibility to let people know about opportunities to help spread the word by sharing stories of success and inviting people in. So you know, this is one way that if you know anybody who's interested, let them hear other stories through the rodeokids.com podcast. Send them to the website and just let them know that we exist and that we're here to help them. And now we'll get back to this podcast with Jacob Talley that I promise only continues to get better. What are your guys' conversations like? I mean, you guys have to spend a lot of time in the truck together. So is it is it a lot of like mental preparation? Is there a lot of silence? What's it like to just drive on the road with somebody? Um, it is a lot of bulldog and talk, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'd say a lot of mental prep. We're, we're, that is probably our biggest difference is the way I prepare mentally or the way I think or, and compared to him. Yeah.
in their history. And so it, it kind of offsets. It helps find somebody like that that, man, I'm struggling in this area. What do you think? And, and he can just pop off an answer like that. Yeah. How many people did you travel with before you found found him to travel with and build that relationship with? Um, just one. I, I kind of I eased around a little bit and got in and out with different people when I was, I guess, probably on a monthly. When I actually got in to go, I got in with a guy. He's from Wisconsin. Yep. Midwesterner. Uh, Iowa yep. boy. I know Cody. were like like those guys are they're funny. kid and you start rodeoing and stuff obviously your parents are going to be the ones that you haul with and then if you get into college then you you get to look to pick and choose a little bit more and um I think I think that's such an important part of traveling and being successful I know uh when I was just amateur rodeo and even like I'm pretty picky about who I travel with because of the way that they think the way that they talk uh, their mental attitude their just their attitude all the way around, how they take care of their horses and themselves. Like, it all plays a big part on how successful you get to be. Because if you haul with somebody who has a negative attitude all the time, like, that will wear on you over time. Yep. It doesn't matter how positive you are. It's that iron sharpens iron. You can't stay around somebody like that and then not rub off a little bit. Right. And so you have to get in with somebody that has the same yeah and I think too even if you have traveled with parents and parents have you know obviously a huge impact on us um, as we're growing up and as we develop those mental strengths and weaknesses but you have to be willing to change and stretch your mind as well because when you jump in with somebody new for the first time it's it can be kind of intimidating at first, but you have to be willing to oh, open your mind and, and listen to their advice and, and take what they've got in their experience and, and take and leave what you can, what works for you, what doesn't, and then 
you know, go on with that to, to build your own kind of program and what you're looking for in a hauling partner. I'm 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's got their way, but I always chuckle when I see, see people. And, you know, it, it's whatever works for you. Like, I'm not knocking it, but, like, when they're back there getting themselves pumped up, like, there's one guy around here. He used to just punch the heck out of himself. I was like, dude, you're going to bruise yourself. Is that really going to help your serotonin? <laughs> I'm you, see, you see all things. One of the guys I used to go with, uh, he would take his hat off three times to run his fingers through his hair going back for the I did have a routine where I would make sure that my string was tight in my mouth between my teeth and then I'd put my hat down and make sure that my sleeves were pulled back. Like that was the thing I'd do and I'd turn in a circle and then my horse knew it was time and I knew it was time, but it wasn't anything. I don't know that anybody else would have picked up on the fact that that was my routine and it wasn't dramatic, but it worked for me. Yeah. So if you had advice for somebody who was just getting started, uh, what would you say? Now, now I'm where I'm at, and I still work at it. It's 12 to 14 hours a day. 
Yeah, for sure. And be that accountability partner for them, whether it's just being accountable to wake up, you know, that's, and I do think that kids have to have to want to do it. It has to be in their heart. They have to have the drive. You cannot do it for them. But if, if your kid does, you know, don't be afraid to step up yourself and, and go to the gym with them or at least be the person who takes them or make some breakfast or something just so that when they wake up to go do that work, there's somebody there cheering them on. not easy it's not going to be an easy road if you want to if you want to rodeo full time no doubt. what is your favorite quote or bible verse or both Thank you. 
home. So stay tuned for that. Again, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to share with all your friends and family who you think would benefit from the rodeokids.com podcast.